There's a lot of evidence now that talks about having that flexibility to work from home and the flexibility to also adapt your working schedule makes people happier. So it improves your employee retention rates. It increases productivity, providing it's done well and is organized. One of the things that I've learned is that if you're really intentional about the approach that you want, some people call it structured hybrid. Some people call it intentional hybrid. Be transparent explain what you're asking for and set the boundaries. We just need to think about how we position the level of flexibility about when people come into the office and how purposeful they are, how intentional they are. And we also want to experiment with how do we create a wider sense of belonging and community for our organization? Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures. Share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the very gray, somber West Coast. And in the house is our amazing co-host on the East Coast, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. Ginny, how are you this day? I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you. I say this day because it's, we. I think we've got like with three time zones expanding from here to um, across the pond. So why don't you introduce our next guest who has been a former guest on the show? Yes, and we are excited to have returning to us Gwen Sterling Wilkie. And um, she is the CEO of Seeds of Transformation. She spent 11 years as an OD transformational consultant with Berkshire Consultancy and was a board member of the OD Network Europe for three years. Gwen's work concentrates on facilitating senior teams, developing transformational skills, and creating effective teams uh, while generating breakthroughs. And her recent and successful book, From Physical Place to Virtual Space, is one we spoke about before, and now she has a new concept that we want to explore called Omni-Working. Hello, Gwen. So hi, Ginny. Hi, Mitch. And thank you so much for, for having me back. Episode 31, I think it was when I looked at it. So you've come a heck of a long way since then. Yeah, we actually we almost know what we're doing now. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Mitch. Right. And we want to bring others with us. Uh, to, to show everyone growing and experiencing what's out there. And we did ask you this question before, but time has passed and you yourself have been doing some research in this exact area. So given our social experiment of going to virtual and hybrid, uh, what are you finding? What have you found over the, even just the past year? Wow, uh, so much. You know, I think from my own personal perspective, um, I discovered how much I love exploring these new ways of working and, and sharing different ideas with others. 
I certainly think that the work I've been doing over the last couple of years, I would never have imagined doing before virtual and hybrid ways of working kind of came about in the way that they have done. You know, over the last two years, I've been working with a very large global med tech company. And I've been involving people from Australia and India, from South America, from North America, Canada, Europe, literally right across the world. There's just no way I could have conceived of doing that kind of three years ago, really. Right. Our, our minds have sort of exploded. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other thing I've really learned is, is to kind of almost be ready for anything. So, you know, you, I may go into a physical room thinking I'm going to be working with this senior team. You know, we've got a couple of days together and I've designed it and everybody's going to be in the room together. And then suddenly, oh, no, we've got somebody who needs to join in now virtually. And so, you know, I have this approach which is called accidentally hybrid. How do I prepare myself in the moment because something that I think is going to be in person, woof, it's now virtual, you know, it was half and half or hybrid, you know? Exactly. I love, I love that. Accidentally hybrid. The next book. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think and the other totally thing calm about is to just kind right? of like it is the most natural thing. Because, you know, perhaps not be such a perfectionist um, and just kind of work with, you know, this is the situation we're in. You know, we'll get a really good experience. We'll get a really good outcome from the experience we're having. It might not go as we planned. Some bits of it might be really messy. Some bits of it we might need to rejig in the moment. And I think I've become, I think I've become much more relevant about kind of, you know, well, whatever situation I'm in, something's going to happen that's really helpful for the group. It might not be what I thought it was, but we'll get somewhere. And then if we put leaders and teams into that same situation, they too need to start being, oh, well, that's a surprise. Well, here's what we'll do. Yeah. And I think the other thing I've really been learning um, is about how organizations are regrouping, I think, you know, I think during the pandemic, there was no choice. You know, we had to kind of make some massive shifts. We had to suddenly reconfigure and everybody was, was working, you know, remotely apart from frontline workers who of course had their own set of challenges. And I think we often forget that it's not just about people who are office-based, you know, there is a, there is a, a over half of the working population whose roles make it very difficult to kind of respond flexibly in this hybrid world we now, now find ourselves in. I've had to train myself to always switch and say, now the folks that have been out there all along, but think about what they have to deal with. They've been there all along, and all these other people that they've had to interact with are not there. Yeah, yeah. So that is a big shift for them. Absolutely. There's been there's been so many changes that people have had to get used to. And I think we're now in a space where there is um, some intentional decisions being made by business leaders, by organizations, and by teams that can result in I feel competitive advantage, you know, it's a business differentiator. Some of the choices that, that leaders are making about how they choose to create their own special version 
of this thing called hybrid working or what I call only working. And all of those choices have consequences about you know, competitive advantage, about talent attraction and retention, about the whole lived experience of work now for people. There's some massive opportunities and there's some real complexities in there. There certainly isn't one single approach that works for everybody because everybody's business environment, there's so many differences. And yet there are also some real commonalities, which I'll, you know, I'll talk through in, in a moment. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about this omni-working, which is uh, what you're even testing in a research uh, environment also, talking to many, many leaders. How'd you come up with that title? What led you to this idea? And give us some highlights of what it's about. Okay. So I think there were a couple of things going on in parallel for me last year. I think one was the first thing about me being approached by businesses and, and consultants like myself saying, how do we make hybrid meetings work for us? You know, um, how do we how do we get everybody's voices in the room? How do we make it work technically? And I was kind of going, yep, that's one part of what people call hybrid. You know, hybrid, I think, is a word that has multiple meanings for different people, depending on their context. So it might be I've got some people at a meeting in the room with me and some people who are up on screens and who are dialing in. That's one version of hybrid. Another version of hybrid is, is what is our flexible working policy as an organization and, and, and how much of that is around location flexibility, how much of that around is, is around schedule flexibility, um, how much of that is setting policy and procedures, you know, and all of our choices around that. Then hybrid has another interpretation about the style of leadership that I'm adopting. And it has another interpretation around the kind of the culture that we're wanting to co could create. So that was one factor which led me to go, this word hybrid is getting confusing for people. Secondly, I was getting really frustrated with the, what I saw quite a polarized debate being kind of promoted around, you know, return to the office or work from home. And it was kind of, it's been put from, in my perspective, it's been put in a very binary way. And it's such a complex issue. There's so many nuances and there's such a great opportunity in there. That's what I feel personally. So that was another kind of reason for me to be really rethinking about this topic. And I think the third and final reason was when I was putting in my initial submission paper to the application paper to get onto the doctoral program that I'm currently undertaking. And the doctoral is, is looking at, it's a doctorate in professional studies through public works. So it's looking at the book that I wrote that you mentioned at the beginning from physical place to virtual space and doing a critical review of that book, both from the way I approached it, some of the theories that I, I introduced, but also the, the, the influence of the current context, both from a societal perspective and from an organizational perspective. And so I started thinking, and they, you know, one of the questions they asked me was, you know, if you were to rewrite that book now, what would it, you know, where, where would it be positioned? And I thought, you know, for me, 
it needs to be broadened out as a as a as a book for leaders who are really trying to navigate their way through this. And so I wanted to create a guide that says these are some of the really important things you need to think about. And so the word itself, omniworking, again came from another a couple of places. For me, it needed to be all-inclusive. So everyone, everywhere, you know, there's multiple ways of doing this. And the other thing is, is my background is in retail. And so, you know, the last few years of retail, once the internet shopping and online shopping grew up and, and got really, really popular, retailers then needed to take what they call an omni-channel approach. So how do we create multiple ways for people to have a shopping experience? And I thought, well, actually, one of the things I'm wanting to try to do is to help people have multiple ways of accessing a really powerful and positive working experience. So how can we make the experience of work accessible to all, um, where they feel included, where they belong, or where they are able to thrive? So that's where the title of Omniworking appeared from. Well, so now you're talking to hundreds of, of leaders. What are some of the themes? Um, and they and you did mention a few things in your write-up about Omni is is how they're making decisions and how they're including others or not. So what what's emerged? Do you know it's it's been such a fascinating process. Um, doing a mixture of kind of desk research, but also opening this up this inquiry with with leaders who have sort of stepped forward and said, you know, this is a really important subject for us and it's something that I would really like to have an opportunity to to help shape and share and learn from other leaders as well. So I'm hugely, hugely grateful to, to those people who've taken part. And in the only working framework as it sits at the moment, because it's still under development, um, you know, I'm still reimagining different elements of it, it's split really into into two halves. One half are what I call the only enablers. So, you know, have we got future fit technology, which allows us to be able to work from the locations we want to work from and, and through the technology that can really help us collaborate, run really effective hybrid meetings. Um, you know, people can book onto um, onto a booking space to get an office desk if they're coming into the office and when, when they get there, that's a seamless experience. And then working spaces, which is probably one of the biggest areas around enablers. So the, if we think about the kinds of work that we, that we need to do, sometimes it's really focused. We need quiet space. We need to be undisturbed. Now, for some people, we can get that in our home environment. But for others, they're in a shared house. They don't have much space. They don't want to work in their bedroom as well as sleep in their bedroom. So they need a quiet space in an office. Then when you have, then we, another kind of work we do is where we need to coordinate with other people. We might be running a project and we need to coordinate with multiple people. Now that we might be able to do that from a co-working space. We might be able to do that from home or we might be able to want to go into an office to be able to do that because we might have to coordinate either through technology or in person and have a number of short conversations with different people. Then we have that collaborating work where we really want to generate new ideas. We want people in the same space as us physically. We perhaps want to be able to 
map something onto a wall and it might be in person or it might be a virtual whiteboard wall. That again requires a different kind of space in our office, either at home or um, in our main office building. And then the final work we need to do is about connecting and building relationships. So businesses need to have a community space where they can physically bring people together. Now, they may choose to go and hire something like that for a whilst occasion, or they may want to create that formal and informal kind of daily interrelating space in their office environment. So working spaces are, have become really important. Final one of the enablers is about guiding principles. So what are the behavior sets that we want everybody to, um, to sign up to? They may be our values, but actually they may be principles that guide our decisions right now around how often people come into the office, um, around how decisions are going to be made. So that's, that's been a real important part of the conversations that I've had with all of the leaders I have had, discovering how they're going about creating and reimagining in those areas and in those spaces. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. I love that. And what that brings, it's not just a decision of, are we hybrid or not? It's not just a decision of how many days are you coming into the office? You must now go through those other levels. So what does this mean about coming together? What does this mean about a long time? What does this mean about how we're going to make a decision? And that model gives us some hopes to jump through uh, around that. You um, quoted a recent uh, Harvard Business Review article that talked about where we are with some percentages. And uh, you went through the different change models and talked about low one. And you have your own one um, called Slush. So uh, it could you talk a little bit about that article and the statistics that were found and where you're falling on that? Yeah, and I think that for me was a really interesting article because when I tested that out with the leaders that I was talking to, they, and this is taken from Linda Gratton's work, and, and she, this is an article that she had published recently in Harvard Business Review in, in April. And what she found out was that there was quite a big shift during the course of last year from businesses who felt that they were still in the progress of working out what their strategy was in response to, to kind of hybrid versus those who had got their strategy sorted. When she last surveyed a group of leaders, they said that just over half, so 40, 42%, sorry, just, oh, just under half, had sorted what they felt was sorted and fixed their hybrid strategy, but 58% of them were still working on it. Now, that completely chimed with all of the leaders I spoke to. They were very much in the camp of, we tried some things, we're still exploring, we are not fixed yet, we're still working out what we might need to adjust or what we might need to change. That was right from one organization who said, look, we want to restructure, we want to review our strategy, we want to move officers. And in the process of doing those things, 
we will also create our hybrid or our omni-working strategy. So they were much, much earlier in, in their, their work that they were doing. Another organization had got to the stage where they were, were, were trialing a lot of stuff. Some of it they were really happy with, but some of it they were kind of going, do you know, we just need to think about how we position the, the level of flexibility about when people come into the office and how purposeful they are, how intentional they are about when they come together. And we also want to experiment with how do we create a wider sense of belonging and community for our organization. And then they've now started to test out every quarter, we're having a whole company meeting where everybody comes in together. We're using it as a general business update, but we're also being very intentional about using it as a relationship building exercise, collaborating, sharing news, and, and having, having a bit of fun time as well. So they've been really intentional about that plan, but they're further ahead, further down the line. Every single one of the organizations said to me, you know, this is still such an important topic for us. We may have tested lots of stuff, but it still appears every month on our executive team meeting agenda because we know we haven't worked it all out yet. So that really chimed with me, firstly, from, you know, the experiences that that um, had appeared in this this article that Linda Gratter wrote. But also that thing you talked about, about this change theory. So when you look at um, Lewin's change theory about unfreeze, move and refreeze, which is a, which is a very, um, it's a very well-established approach to change, you know. And I kind of have a diff slightly different view on it. So I call it the slush, the, 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 the slush, um, kind of theory of change is that we don't refreeze it solidly because we kind of have this sort of slushy phase where things are settled enough for us to be able to test out some new things and see what's working and what isn't working but we're still flexible and responsive enough to be able to make those adjustments without it feeling like it's a big heavy piece of organizational change again. So it's, other people call it agility. You know, for me, it's like, just let's keep ourselves a little bit loose. But it, what it does is it creates a tension because when we look at neuroscience, we're hardwired for certainty. Our brains want predictable patterns that we can interact as we're safe and we can keep our you know, fight, flight, freeze hormones balanced. So there's always this inherent tension about, about a desire to, you know, take away my uncertainty. Let's make things as certain and as clear as we can. And I see leaders in organizations really trying to do that as much as they can and, and being reluctant to share something until everything is finalized, till they've got every, a plan fully developed. And of course, that's really hard to do because we're not sure, we can't be certain. First of all, I am fascinated by this, this, this framework of omni-working. And I'm fascinated by the questions you're asking because with my clients, I, they're facing the same things right now. It's almost like when, you know, we, um, Gwen, can I call you Gwen, Gwen? So it's almost like, um, 
we, you know, when we started on episode 31, I joked like we didn't know what we were doing. It seems, it seems like right now the, what I'm finding with companies is they're now in the phase of, wait a minute, I have this figured out because, you know, the hybrid thing, I got it figured out. And then now I'm in the phase of, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Although it's hard to admit that. I'm, I'm also wondering when is, you know, I'm thinking about, thinking about engagement surveys, right? You know, there, there were engagement surveys um, with, with the engagement questions that were constructed, you know, maybe a decade ago. I'm just wondering as those enlightened companies that are saying, hey, we have a omni-working strategy, or you call it a slushy uh, strategy, which is we, we really almost need to look at our real estate um, as part of our culture, um, as, as opposed to it being um, solid. So, you know, before COVID, you really looked at, you know, five, 10, 15-year plans because nothing was changing. Now, of course, you have a different paradigm and I'm just wondering, but to get to your question, what question would you would you start to ask your employees to figure out whether or not you you should you need to adjust your um, your omni working strategy? You know, where do you begin with that? And I think you know, seeded into what you just said, Mitch. I think there's a lot of things which are interlinked. I think. The, the notion of senior leaders, chief execs, MDs, business owners as being the source of the right answer um, is, is, is much less prevalent nowadays. And I think there is a kind of a, a paradigm shift around an acceptance that there are many answers to the situation that you're facing as a business and as a leader. And so there is a different kind of leadership quality which is now being asked of leaders which is one of co-creation which is one of you know it isn't just down to me and that can really be destabilizing for leaders who have got to the position they've got because they've had the right answer right the way through their career so I think that's one element of it I think the other element of it is the recognition of how things now need to be linked that perhaps weren't linked before so the, the, the point you made about value of real estate, the point you made about the financial exposure of either this ownership of this office building, which is getting emptier and emptier, versus, you know, what's our financial exposure to this office lease for the next 10 years? And, you know, our landlord is not being at all cooperative about any adjustments to our rent, you know? So there's... There's other pressures which are linked to some of the decisions that I think are being made about an omni-working strategy. So my encouragement to leaders and my encouragement to businesses is to, is to firstly recognize that, that this, this hybrid approach to working, this multiple location, is here to stay. There are the, personally, I think you know, the door is the door is open and everybody's moved through it. So to try and put everybody back into the box of you come into the office five days a week is a really retrograde step. You know, there's a lot of evidence now that talks about um, 
having that flexibility to work from home and the flexibility to also adapt your working schedule makes people happier. So it improves your employee retention rates. It increases productivity, providing it's done well and is organized. It increases diversity and it allows you to bring in, um, you know, the views and perspectives and contributions of people who would find being in the office five days a week, nine to five, really difficult for them and their, their home situations. So, you know, it's here to stay. And I would encourage leaders to say, how can you become the best run Omni organization that makes the world of work in your organization one that everybody wants to come and join? So for me, the first step is recognizing where you are, both in the things you've tried, what's working and what isn't working, but being really honest and realistic about what is our historic approach to change? Have we always been on the end of the spectrum that says, you know, we or me as the chief exec and the owner of the business is going to decide and, and tell everybody what I want? That's one approach to transformation and change. It then goes right the way through all of the stages that says, actually, you are fully free to decide yourself based on the nature of the work that you do and be in the right place to do the work you need to do to deliver the outcomes I've asked you to do. Now there's a massive, massive, massive scale there of variation and multiple approaches. So if you know where you're starting from, I wouldn't recommend you go from here to here overnight, but just to think about what could be the next step that I could take to perhaps involve other people who wouldn't normally get involved in these kinds of conversations to set some clear boundaries and guidelines about which are the decisions that I still want to hold on to, but where's your freedom to act as a senior management team or as a divisional head or as a, um, as a, an overseas office. So creating some very clear boundaries about where you've got complete freedom to act, but actually where for whatever reason, I or we as an executive team still need to hold on to these decision-making and be transparent about it. Don't ask people to contribute to something and then ignore what they say, because that is a surefire way to, to really, really upset <laughs> lots of people. Right. And that's what we all, no, no. Now, Gwen, I was lucky enough just to give an example of a, of a senior team actually having that discussion. And what's fascinating is the senior team uh, folks sitting on it themselves questioning where, wh where can I set a boundary? Am I now allowed, to, can I do that in this situation? You know, they have to almost give themselves permission because they, uh, and what it was, was they came up with a pattern for coming in hybrid, how many days a week. And they were still working often of an old assumption, which was, I let my folks know that on Wednesdays, I'm coming in. So I automatically assumed they were going to come in on Wednesdays. And now I come in on Wednesdays, no one's there. I feel lonely. What can I do about that? <laughs> and so by talking to the colleagues, they said it's 
what is it that you really want? Well, I, at least once a month, I want to talk to each person who's not from out of town or in Australia somewhere. I would like to meet with them once a month. And the team said, well, set that up, but let them know. Hey, I have three Wednesdays I'm coming in. Please choose an hour, two hours, where you can, will also come in and sit down with me. That's an okay thing. You set a boundary, but had flexibility. That would never have occurred to this very senior person. You have the ability to do that. Yeah, and that's my intent, is it's a guide. It's going to be a guide. It's not a mandated, you must do all of these steps because every organization situation is different. Every leader will have a different, what I call freedom to act, a different set of boundaries that they're working between. And I think one of the things that I've learned is that if you're really intentional about the approach that you want, some people call it structured hybrid, some people call it intentional hybrid. I haven't kind of quite settled on what my name of it's going to be, but that is being really clear with people, as you said. Be transparent, explain what you're, what you're asking for, and, and set the boundaries. Because there's no one right answer, because each department and each function have different needs. And depending on the work you're doing, you're going to need to talk to different people and involve different people. It all comes back to the Omni, and um, I am going to be watching, I know Mitch will too, of what your next writing is about that, because that's going to have, hopefully, tons of examples. You also gave some very nice um, suggestions for what do leaders and team leaders need to be looking at going forward, and in the end, they need to embrace the slush. Uh, for some reason, I just love your analogy about the slush. Where can our listeners find you and your book? So um, I'm in the process of writing my next book, which will be about omniworking. Um, and some of the research from the book writing will then feed into my doctorate and vice versa. So they can find me on omniworking.com. So it's omni slash working.com. Um, also, I have a LinkedIn page with the same name, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn, um, Gwen Sterling Wilkie. And that's where I tend to share, as you know, my latest thinking, and it might be triggered by something I've read, or it might be triggered by some conversations that I've had. So I will be continuing to share um, on that platform, and, and we'll let you know, hopefully the book will be out in October. Oh, you're working fast, Mitch. <laughs> that is fast. I'm I'm really looking for forward to that book, and um, and I'm really looking into you know reading some of these thoughts you're formulating. I do think it is essential right now as a way to look at uh, a reframe of leadership and a reframe of culture and a reframe of accountability and a reframe of of what it means to be a worker today in 2023. So thank you so much for your insights. Thanks for coming back again. I'm glad we didn't scare you off. And thank you to all of our listeners. Um, please uh, definitely share this uh, episode with your friends, colleagues, family, and we'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Hello, I'm Gwen. I've just published my new book, Omni Working, where I talk about how to enable your team to work in all ways from all places. So if you're a leader 
wanting to improve team performance and engagement, then click on the link in the description and order my book today. Thank you. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow. And by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.